A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. So England make history at the MCG on Sunday, exercising the 30-year-old ghosts of 1992, for those of you who can remember that, by beating Pakistan by five wickets to win the T20 World Cup, making them the only team to hold both white ball trophies simultaneously. We'll hear, obviously, from England captain Joss Butler. We'll ask where Ben Stokes ranks as an England great after he was yet again the man for the big occasion with an unbeaten 52 to see his side over the line. As well as that, we'll discuss what now for Pakistan. We'll pay tribute to the late, great David English, who passed away earlier this week, and we'll be joined by West Indies legend Sir Kirtley Ambrose. So plenty to come over the next hour. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. I guess in the years to come, Harmy, We'll, uh, we'll remember the World Cup, the T20 World Cup, as uh, a walk in the park for England. It wasn't always like that. And I have to say that as far as, as five-wicket wins go, there were some pretty tense moments. Absolutely, 100%. Sounds good, though, doesn't it? Double world champions from an England point of view. Yeah, how much more niceties can we say about Ben Stokes? He's just, he's just unbelievable. And I never thought for one minute, never thought for one minute, that England weren't going to win the game while Ben was at the crease. While he was there, I thought he's in total control. Uh, great line from Josh Butler saying if Ben batted like that in a test match, he would probably have to drop himself. Um, <laughs> he's got just got he's just got a great way of knowing how to get his team over the line. Did it in the group stages. Uh, there was a lot of people question whether Ben Stokes should be in this team. I tell you what, I'd love to have seen their opinion. It. 50 for, 50 for 3 and 80 for 4 when he was in the middle of the MCG with 80,000 people. I don't think I would have wanted anybody else there other than Ben and it was brilliant to see he got the team over the line. Fantastic. And to be fair, I think worthy champions because I actually think England have been the best team in this tournament. Well, let's hear from Joss Butler then about um, how he thinks or hopes the world might see English white ball cricket now. I think the perception of our team has changed a lot. Um, over the last few years, we've certainly 
um, you know, not played it safe. Um, and we, we've had results doing that. And we know we've always tried to push the boundaries, tried to to get ahead of the rest of the world and, and be braver than anyone else. And, and we'll take what comes from that. You know, we, we know that we'll slip up along the way, but we certainly trust that method and it served us well. And, and we trust it in big games as well. That's Josh Butler, the batsman. Of course, we all know how brilliant he is. England's best ever white ball batsman. I think that's probably beyond serious dispute. There's his captaincy as well, though. Um, and this is what Rob Key had to say about that, speaking to Sky Sports News. I think Joss, in, in particular, has got every decision, every big decision I think he got right. That sort of gut feel that he has has been incredible, and that's what's got him there. They've been able to adapt. I reckon they've become more adaptable in this World Cup than we've seen England's white ball team. As good as it's been, they've moved on. They've taken it up a notch. And there's some of the reasons they've done it. It's because of Joss, Mo, and what Matthew Mott has brought to it. Um, Harmy, you know how touchy I get about um, analytics and match-ups and um, T20 cricket becoming a science. And there was a beautiful interview with uh, Joss just before the final in which he spoke about captaincy. And he went, I didn't know it was possible for him to go up in my estimation, but he said... There is still a place for gut feel. Yeah. And when he brought Moen on to bowl that first over, I can't remember who he was against now. He only bowled two overs in the tournament, but he's bowled one over for four, and that was never discussed. It was never as a result of the of the stats men, or it wasn't part of a team talk. It was just gut instinct. And I'm so pleased there's still a place for that. 100%. It is, and you can have all that. And that's the thing, the beauty about the two captains we've got now. We've got unbelievable information resources you know they've got a scouting crew that do a wonderful job from an ecb backroom staff point of view you've got a backroom team which gets bigger and bigger every year and they've got all bases covered but you give the information to the captain and the reason why he's a captain like a football manager you make a decision it's up to you to make that decision and sometimes uh, going with your gut more often than not works because your first decision is probably the best decision that you'll make and two or three times in this tournament now Joss like Ben in the summer has possibly gone against what the analysts would probably say um, and I, and again in the final the Mo and Ali one yes I think that was in the first game I think when he bowled the first over but then in the final he could have took Rashid out of it and brought him back later on but I think Joss realised you know what if he keeps going now, this is our best chance of keeping him under 150, under 145. Um, and Adol Rashid bowled magnificently well. And because of that, that's why I think English cricket's in good hands with, with Butler and, and Stokes. Because they are, they're out-of-the-box thinkers when they play cricket. So I think because of that, when you do that in a team environment, it doesn't always... It, 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 you're looking at it and you think... Well, that's, that shouldn't be the case, or that's not the norm, or that's not what the script says. But sometimes that's better because you know they think quicker and they think clearer. And the execution of all the uh, the game plans that England have had, they've got a leader now who who basically has team has players that trust him. And when he makes a decision, you've got your team's got to back him up. And the more decisions that Josh Butler gets right, and he did in this tournament. His players backed him up and kept backing him up. And I think that's the beauty about why. That's the difference between England falling just short and England winning at a canter. And I think we have, history books will tell you that the, the scoreline looked a lot easier than what it was. And it wasn't. But I, 
I think a lot of the a lot of the the stuff that has been written about Ben Stokes, about Joss Butler, Sam Curran, and all these guys um, is is duly deserved because they've been the best team in the tournament. Okay, we know what you think of Ben Stokes, <laughs> and I think it's probably it's shared by um, lots and lots of people. And those who said, "Is he worth his place in the team?" Having not played a T Twenty international for something like eighteen months for England. This is what Josh Butler had to say about Ben Stokes. He's a, a true match winner and he's he's been there in those scenarios time and time again and he just has a lot of know-how for, for how to do that. You know, it certainly wasn't his most fluent innings or you know, he probably didn't time the ball as, as well as he can, but um, he knew he was never going to go down without a fight and, and stand up and, and be there at the end. So, yeah, we're immensely lucky to have, have him and you know, he's one of the, the great players of English cricket. He certainly is. Will Matthew Mott become one of the great coaches of English cricket? He's currently the, the, the holder as coach of the Women's Cricket World Cup, the Women's T20 World Cup and now the Men's T20 World Cup trophies. He's won two World Cups this year alone. He's undemonstrative, isn't he? I mean, he's very much a background man. And, I mean, there will be plenty who say that if you put me or you in charge of this England yeah. squad, we could win a World Cup. Yeah, it's not as simple as it's not as simple as that. Um, you've got to keep egos happy. You've got to keep big players happy. You've got to keep, you know, the wheels on the track, and you've got to set standards, build an environment. And I think in the summer, when Owen Morgan's, I don't think anybody expected Owen Morgan to retire quite as quick as in as, as in the the way that he did. I think you've seen England get flustered a little bit because you know they went, they went to Holland. The guy they got five hundred, but you know they, they weren't the fluid England white ball side that they have been for for a number of years throughout the summer. But I think once the test matches started again and Matthew and Josh could get their heads together and talk about how and why and where England go next, then you are going to see a, a true reflection of this England side. And I, and I think Josh helped by not being able to play in Pakistan because he's seen from a distance what he needed going into the major tournament. And when you've got a sounding block like that, like Matthew Mott, who won't overpower and be overpowering front and centre you become a good soundboard and I think that's what he seems to be he seems to be a good man to have to bounce ideas off to set an example to to make sure that the environment's as good as it possibly can be um, and you can't argue you know time will tell whether it will go down as one of the great white ball coaches but so far so good from an England point of view when he's won the World T20 and he's obviously he's, he's done that you know, a couple of times in the in the women's game as well. So I'm just pleased for for the whole lot of them, for everybody, all the backroom staff that's worked so hard to get England in a position to 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 get over the line and win the competition because it does take a lot of hard work and and sometimes it does it is looking from the outside that you you think well anybody can do that. No, you're wrong. Not anybody can do it. You know, there's a there's an art to it, and Matthew Mott has certainly got an art to lead in a white ball unit. OK, I mentioned that there were one or two hiccups along the way for England. Um, the biggest one, of course, was the defeat to Ireland, although they, they had some speed bumps in the game against Sri Lanka. Gee, um, and as well as in the final, when you mm. said that they were 80 for four. Um, this is what Stokes said about that defeat to Ireland. You know, with that being so early on in the competition, we obviously had to address it, say what we said, and then let it go, because... You know, in, in tournaments, stuff like that, you can carry baggage with you. Um, you know, that was a, a little blip on the way. Credit to Ireland for, for turning up and beating us. But 
You know, the best teams learn from their mistakes. They take it on the chin, but they never let it affect them, and they just let it go, move on to the next challenge. And I feel as if we've lived up to all the challenges that we've had thrown at us throughout the tournament. So, pretty, pretty good evening. Ben Stokes speaking to Sky Sports News. Harmy, do you remember a £5 bet I made with you on air about, it must have been about five or six months ago, about Ben Stokes? I can't remember. You'll have to, you'll have to if I'm winning, you're going to have to remind me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet you on air £5 that he would play in the 2023 50-over World Cup. I said that I thought yeah. that uh, he was just fed up. He'd had enough. Something had to give and he gave up ODI cricket. Mm-hmm. I think he'll play in the ODI World Cup. I think with the right message and um, the right information and the right conversation, you might win that bet because <laughs> I think if I was Matthew Mott, Rob Key, I'd be tempted to sit down with Ben and say, we go until June, July with the Ashes. The next test series is not until January, February, March, which is India away. We've got a 50-over World Cup in October, November. Would you be happy to play in the 50-over World Cup without playing any 50-over cricket in between time? Because I'm happy to pick you in that 50-over World Cup. And I would I would be happy to pick Ben Stokes, no bilateral series, and just take him straight into the World Cup in the squad. Because I know for a fact if I get to a knockout stage, he will contribute to getting us over the line if we're in a winning position. And I think he's too big of a player, too big of a personality not to have them have them thoughts going through your head from a management point of view that I'm not really bothered about him playing in bilateral series because I I think the test cricket is he's so important to his mental side of it, keeping fresh. Mm-hmm. But I will take him to a 50-over World Cup if he's willing to go. Whether he'll go, I'm not so sure. But you know, I still think... I still think I'm three pound in I'm three pound in the good, and you might you, you're two pound in the good. I still think that's a <laughs> that's a decision that's a decision that might take some swearing from Ben's point of view. Yeah, the only reason the only thing that'll stop him is that is is his conscience. Um, he did say at the time that you know you can't uh, pick and choose your games, and I agree. Players shouldn't pick and choose their games, but their coaches can. Yeah. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison as we continue to look back at England's victory in the T20 uh, World Cup final. Sam Curran, man of the match, man of the tournament, player of the match, player of the tournament, I should say. 13 wickets um, in the tournament. Just remarkable figures, really. Uh, Economy rate of uh, 6.5, an average of 11.38. Only Sri Lanka's legs been a win. Induhasaranga took more wickets he was he was stunning. He was brilliant, and I just wonder, Harmy. We've spoken a lot about um, his job definition, and you know, two up front, two mm. at the end, and a luxury number eight. That's how we've we've been seeing him. Sometimes number seven, a little bit of a floater in the lower order. I, I wonder. One of England's strengths is their evolution, the way they've changed. So you know, he's now in that role, and he's performed it brilliantly, and he's the player of the tournament. And I wonder whether that role will stay given different conditions, different tournaments, different contexts. I mean, he's the kind of cricketer that can evolve and, and do a he could bowl, he could bowl four in the middle. Couldn't he He could do anything? Yeah, he could. And I think if that's the the challenge when they go into 50 over competition, that he does bowl a few up in the top, he bowls his four in the middle, four or five in the middle and two plus two nearer the end when it comes to, 
you know, how a captain uses them because it's, you know, how Joss uses them because of how well he's bowled at the death in, in this competition. He's bowled on big grounds. So that's something, you know, let's put in the context, he's bowled on some big grounds. I'm chuffed to bits for Sam. I really am because he's been magnificent, but he always is. He always turns up. He always gives everything he possibly can. Um, and he makes something happen, and I think he's been he's been excellent in the tournament. Rightly named man of the man of the match, and rightly named man of the series. Will he be the same on the smaller grounds? We got a sample size at Adelaide, probably the only place he did did travel um, from a, a runs per over point of view, and that short square. So he used the he used the ground dimensions perfectly, bowled it into the surface, made sure the hit mid-wicket and, and and sort of extra cover areas, which was the longest part of the ground. Um, and I think he can just... All you can hope for is that he keeps getting better and better and he, he keeps evolving as he gets more comfortable in the roles he's in. And I thought he was I thought he was brilliant. I really did. I was chuffed to bits for him because he's had a back injury. And when, you, when your bowler comes back from a back injury, you're never sure what you're going to get when they come back. Sam's probably gone away and reflected with... The likes of Alex Stewart and our, our great friend Gareth Batty about where his game needs to go to, um, and he's come back and took it to a, a, another level because yes, he had a brilliant tournament. He has. He got a first class hundred at the end of the, the, the county summer, which for me that's another sign of great progress from a twenty-one year old. Of course, he's batted at three for CSK in the IPL. He can be devastating at the end as well, um, batting, that is, in, in the death overs, in the hitting overs. So, it, I mean, it, it, sh- it shouldn't surprise us that uh, when he's bowling um, in, at, the, at the back end, he seems to know what, what the batters are, are looking to do. I mean, he, well, I was going to say he's second-guessing them, but he's not. He, he knows what they're going to do because of his own experience. Absolutely, and that always, that, that sometimes the, the, the beauty about having all-rounders that can bowl well at the death the see signs, you know, I remember I didn't bowl many death overs. I tended to bowl, sort of in a 50 over games, I tended to bowl 44 and 46 or, you know, 45 and 47 because that was the time where you know, I try and get the wicket before, you know, the, the explosion at the end starts. But you got signs when batsmen were trying to open their body up or the areas they're looking to hit. You, if, you're, if you're an all-rounder that bowls at the end, especially a seam bowling one, you pick up little signs in the opposition batsman um, and you change your your plans accordingly or you can be flexible accordingly to where that person is because you've got the mindset of what he's thinking as well, which is great. OK, here's Josh Butler on Sam Curran. He's a top top performer. He's only going to get better and better as well. He's still a young man, um, but he's got a lot of experience already on in those shoulders and he wants the ball. He's, he, he's a man, you, you know, you turn to tell him he's on and he's already saying, yeah, I want a ball. So just so pleased for him, his performances, and uh, he's got everything he deserves. There's an extraordinary statistic about Sam Curran, is that the semi-final and the final of the T20 World Cup were only the second and third knockout white ball games that he's played. Mm. And the first was a a blast quarter-final against Warwickshire in 2017, when he must have been about 15 years old. Yeah, he hasn't changed in appearance, has he? He still looks as though he, he's not gonna he's not gonna get many shaven gigs, is he? So you know, he's not gonna get a shaven contract um, unless to do his legs or his arms. Um, but no, it is it's it's frightening what where the the kid's career has been. And again, I come back to the fact that he had a big injury, huge injury, 
um, which could have had a, a, like a mental scar on on his attitude. But he's since he's come back, he's been he's been first class. And the conundrum for England is going to be where you where you find a place for him in all formats of the game. Can you get him? Can you get him in a Test team at the minute? No, I don't think you can. But I, when Ben Stokes retired from fifty over cricket, I did say I'd like Sam to get that sort of all rounders position. Not all rounder batting at five, but all rounder batting at seven. You've got like some Ali and Liam Limson just go up one. But Sam Curran batting at seven and the, and the sort of longer form of the short, you know, the short game in uh, in fifty over cricket. I think that would have done him, will do him the world of good. Um, but he's been unbelievable in this tournament, and like I say, it's just another tick in the box for for Joss and how he used him. Because I think I thought the only weakness England have had, I've got within this in this white ball team, is death bowling. And do you know what? They've just ticked the box in in the positive column for that because you know we've mentioned before, two at the death for Sam Curran is going to be the norm from now on. Okay, he's not in the test squad uh, for the Pakistan series, by the way. No, um, we could we could pick up. I mean, we could we could do a whole section on you know half a dozen England players, if not if not the whole eleven, or in fact the whole squad. But I, ha- I can't not let you talk about Adil Rashid and his absolute. <laughs> he bowled a wicket maiden in the final. Yeah. he bowled a wicket maiden in the final. It's crazy, isn't it? It's madness. Another one who was questioned, like Ben Stokes, should he be in the team? You know, just you're laughing. You know, the spin twins have been our mainstays, and why we are so good at squeezing teams when the conditions suit. First three games, twelve overs for eighty nine, no wickets, and the last three games, twelve overs, four for fifty eight. Well, I thought he contributed in the first three games for wickets for other people. Mark Wood got two wickets in a lot of the games, and then three and one. And you're going, he got the wickets because of Adil Rashid. Because they didn't want to take Rashid on, like they didn't take Rashid Khan on. Big boundaries. What they've done is, right, we're going to have to go at one of the seamers. And which is the seamer we're going at? Well, we're going to have to go at, you know, we're going at well, one with Pierce, Mark Wood. So Woody picked up the wicket. So for me, that's that's a, um, a huge pat on the back for, for Rashid. Again, somebody's getting into the latter part of his career and how long he can go on for. Um, but he's still turning the ball and they've got a wicket in the semi-final and final that actually was conducive to spin um, and Adel was absolutely brilliant especially in the final he was excellent in the final he doesn't actually play very much cricket you no know. he doesn't I mean he's it's it's fascinating hmm. you know we have this sort of long-standing convention that oh you need you know you need the overs in your arms and you need the the hours in your legs and um, especially I for mean, a he, leg spinner man it's, yeah, well exactly but yeah. he just sort of pitches up and plays for England yeah, he just yeah. Just, just to say that he's 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 probably thinking every game's going to be his last game because of was he now thirty uh, six, and he's been he's been excellent. He really has. I think the best thing for him was resisting the temptation of coming back out of first class retirement. I think when Goffey tried to get him to come back, and then get him out of Test retirement to potentially go to Pakistan, I'd never thought that was a great idea because his shoulder is of somebody who has bowled a lot of overs and there's not much not much more in him. And because of that, we need to protect him. And I think England will do that in the white ball element of it. And why wouldn't you when he, he, he spins the ball like he does to get you in a position to win a final? You know, he, he's a World Cup, double World Cup winner. He, he's a smashing lad and he's somebody who he probably still has one, possibly one or two tournaments left in him. 
Mo is 36. He, uh, Adil's actually 34, turning 35 in February. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's Mo um, that, yeah. So just a, a final word in this section on Pakistan. Uh, again, they owed their place <laughs> in, the, in the final to, well, I, I think South Africa not turning up and mm. most people say to, to the Netherlands for turning up in, in that game. But the average age is remarkably young. Mm. I mean, uh, over half the squad are, are 24 or younger and only two are over 30. So... I mean, you, you, you know, it's not the perfect mix and uh, not, it's not the perfect balance. It's a brilliant bowling attack. Um, but their future, they've got to be... I mean, if they can keep everyone together and, and, and not, not fight mm. <laughs> and, and, um, and pay everybody properly, then I mean, they've, they've got a very bright future. Absolutely, 100%. And when they uh, you know, evaluate what's, re-evaluate what's happened in the, um, in the tournament... They'll be disappointed they lost in the final. They possibly had a chance. Um, a huge blow that they lost Shaheen Afridi um, because I still think England would have won, but it would have made Ben Stokes' decision to go that little bit harder. He would have to go out a little bit earlier when they lost Afridi. With a, he still had 11 balls to bowl, so that was a blow for them. But I think once they get back to Pakistan and this test series against England is done and around Christmas time and they'll look back at this tournament, I think they can be immensely proud of where, what they've achieved. Yes, they were nearly out and they, were, they got helped, but you know that's that's the look you get in, in tournaments. Players turned up, players played. Rizwan, Baba Razam, you know, there, there were some big six-hitting in the middle order. The left-arm seam of, of Shaheen Afridi was, was excellent. Shadab Khan... Another one you can build a side round. Pakistan have a bright future in tournament cricket, especially when you look at it. Now, the next tournament, the next major tournament is in uh, the 50 over World Cup is in India. So, uh, conditions which will, will suit them. In the Caribbean and, and USA, what, two years later, I still think Pakistan will be a force in, the, in that tournament because of, like you said, the age, but also the skill sets they've got. Got some skillful players. And another couple of years of the PSL um, will only enhance you know, Pakistan's development as a side moving forward, playing under pressure, because that's the key. Can you play and can you perform under pressure? England are, are the masters at it because they, they do it all the time. I think that's the thing that Pakistan will, will get better at and learn to get better at in major tournaments because they'll be qualifying for the latter stages each time. Astonishing thought that an ODI series between England and Australia starts on Thursday, which is <laughs> no. which is like having kippers for breakfast five minutes after cleaning your teeth. Uh, just, you know, we've just we've just heard an interview of Ben Stokes with you know, it sounded as though he was in a nightclub. If I had just won the World Cup, I would still be in the nightclub on Thursday. I wouldn't be thinking <laughs> twice about putting my fifty over kit on after I've just won a World Cup. But this is the modern generation of the game. Oh, it's just. Uh... Just amazing. Hard to digest that one. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and two-time county championship winner Steve Harmison. Next up, we'll discuss some of the other big stories of the week as we pay tribute to the great David English. And should Indian players be allowed to play in other T20 leagues around the world? One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast as always from the following on feed, which is now available via the free Talksport app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Okay, time to pay tribute to David English. He may not be known to all of you, but he is, was sadly known to many, many. Hundreds of thousands of cricket lovers, I would say. He was responsible for the famous Bunbury Festival, which brought through over 125. The Bunbury Festival is an, is an under-15 cricket festival, and it's astonish, astonishing to hear that over a 1,000 players went on to have first-class careers, and over 125 young lads who, um, and girls now who played their first uh, Bunbury Festival under 15 went on to play um, for England. It's just uh, remarkable. He was an actor, a writer, a director, a journalist, um, a keen cricketer, cricket lover more than anything else. And I know he was a man you were very fond of, Harmy. He was, and he was absolutely bonkers at the same time. He was a brilliant <laughs> man. Whenever whenever somebody sadly passes away, you always sort of get the, the sort of saying the niceties about... The, the man but the man for me the best bit about him was because he was so he was mad he was nicknamed the loon and he, you know, everybody knew him as the loon he was friends of everybody you know starring with in in tv with robert redford and constantly having festival games with the likes of eric clapton bob dylan and and many many more and he was he's just a great great fella um I remember when I first played for England on the 19s, obviously Andrew Flintoff uh, and Alex Tudor, Talk Sports Alex Tudor, 
they all went through through the Bunburys and they talked like fondly about him and then playing with Keezy, Rob Key, who spent a lot of time with him. And he was just an infectious man, great fella, loved cricket and loved helping people for cricket. And he always asked me, I didn't have the, I never had the heart to tell him, but he always, he always asked me to write an article for the Bunburys every year, which I did, because he he had it from people who played for the Bunburys. But I think I'm the only one out of my family who didn't play in it. My brother Ben played in it, and I think my brother James played in it, or they were picked to go to it um, for the north of England. And I just didn't... When he asked me, because I was obviously seen the name... It wasn't, I just felt like saying it wasn't me, but I never told him that. So, but I just kept writing the articles anyway. He was just, a, and I mean, a, an amazing man. And what he's done for cricket, some people, you know, do things in life for acknowledgement. Some people do things in life for fame and fortune, but the special people are the ones that do things to help others. And David English helped, he was a, he was a constant giver of helping others. Um, and the one thing, he, the biggest thing he did was help the game of cricket in England because the amount of players that the Bunburys had produced was is frightening. His, his cap tally will be ridiculous. His Ashes winning tally and his now World Cup winning tally would be huge. And to see the players wear black armbands on the, on the very day of winning the World Cup and the day of his passing, um, I think was a fitting tribute to a great man. Indeed, absolutely. And there'll be <clears throat> thousands, as I said, hundreds of thousands of people. It'd be very, very sad. Uh, now... An interesting development after India's semi-final thrashing by England is, um, this is ironic really, because players from around the world talk about the value that they gain by playing in the IPL. And it was put to Rahul Dravid that actually England had a number of players, um, Alex Hales being perhaps the most prominent, um, who had played several seasons, um, well, he's played around the world in domestic leagues, um, including in the Big Bash, and it was put to Rahul Dravid that perhaps Indian players only playing in the IPL and not being able to pick up experience around the world was actually a hindrance to them. It's tough. I think it's it's very difficult for for Indian cricket uh, because a lot of these tournaments happen right in the peak of our season. You know, I think it's uh, it's a huge challenge for us. Yes, uh, you know, I think uh, a lot of our boys maybe do miss out on the opportunities of playing in, in a lot of these leagues, but... It's really up to the BCCI to make that decision. But the thing is that it's right in the middle of our season. And with the kind of demand there is, would, there would be for Indian players, if you allowed uh, all the Indian players to play in, a, in these leagues, we would not have a domestic cricket. You know, our domestic cricket, our Ranji Trophy would be finished. And that would mean Test cricket would be finished. So I think, you know, I know a lot of people talk about it. We have to understand uh, the challenges that... Uh, Indian cricket faces or the BCCI would face in a situation like this. You'd see all our boys, want, uh, like a lot of boys being asked to play leagues right in the bang in the middle of our season. We're seeing what that's done to West Indian cricket and I would definitely not want Indian cricket to go that way. It would certainly affect our Ranji Trophy, it would affect Test cricket. They always said Rahul Dravid would have a career in politics mm. um, if he wanted one. Um, so he was playing the typical Rahul Dravid <laughs> straight back to that one. There is of course the commercial aspect as well. The, the value of Indian players and, and the BCCI want to keep their assets in their own vault by by allowing high-profile Indian players to play around the world in other leagues. They would increase the value of those other leagues, thereby also 
or marginally decreasing the value of the IPL. So a huge commercial aspect. As yeah, well. yeah, 100% agree with that. And finally, a coach has spoke about, and whether it is a dead bat and he is obviously playing the party line, what's best for our team and our country and our way? And I know these Indian players get paid a fortune, get paid a lot of money to play cricket in India um, and not go and play around the world. Um, but Raul Dravid's looking at it from a cricketing point of view. Uh, it doesn't suit. It's not the best thing for our cricket in in India that we lose maybe twenty five, thirty players, forty players go on playing in other leagues around the world and devalue and Ranji Trophy, which then has an adverse effect potentially on our Test cricket. We've been waiting for a long time for somebody to say that, haven't we? So <laughs> look, I, I, it's a fine balance. It's a balancing act. Probably it would suit a few of the younger players. Um, you're never going to see Rohit Sharma, Jasper Bumrah, Virat Kohli coming to play in the big, you know, going to play in a big bash or to play in the um, in in any of the crickets around the world. You now that you know the Vitality Blast or anything like that. But um, I'm sure Raul Dravid and the the Indian coaching team have been thinking about what will make a difference in the latter parts of tournaments because the India have struggled in. Big, big competitions and they have struggled to to get themselves over the line in knockout cricket it's not for the want of it's not pressure because these guys live in pressure never mind playing it but sometimes you know they're being beaten by a better side England England beat India India didn't beat India in, in the semi-final England beat India England bowled better than India England fielded better than India and then you know the, the the batsman Butler and Hills knocked off the off the toll. Don't think India played badly as such. I just think they were beaten by a better team. Sometimes that, and that and that does happen in tournaments. So I think there's a fine balance between how you get better and and and, and digesting some of the stuff that's nonsense. Um, and I'd back Raul Dravid to give him because you know, like you say he's a he's a good man. Okay, in a moment I want to hear from uh, Gary Stead, the New Zealand coach the other losing semi-finalist because um I, I must say that they for the first time to me to my mind anyway they just looked um a bit long in the tooth um and a bit slow in the field mm. but before we get on to Gary Stead um did you notice that there is one English cricketer swimming upstream against the against the the, the general flow Sam Billings has opted out of his uh, IPL deal with the Kolkata Knight Riders um because he wants to to be playing county cricket with Kent at the start of the season yeah good for Sam Good for him, and maybe he sees that spot not being nailed down by Ben Folks. Maybe he's, he's thought, right, I actually suit this team. I suit Sam Billings as a cricketer. I suit Ben Stokes's Test team. If I, if I if I can improve my glove work and put hundreds on the board, I can really push Ben Folks for an Ashes place, for a Winter place. He's had a taste of being in, in the international scene, the, the Test scene. So he might be thinking, I go to KKR, I might not play. I get weighed in, I get I get a few quid, but you know, Sam, Sam Billens comes from a, a wealthy background. He's got a few quid. I think Sam Billens is thinking of his test status. Good on the lad. I'm really pleased that he's, he's doing it. And I hope it works. It didn't work for Liam Livingston a couple of years ago, but I hope it works for Sam Sam Billens because uh, if he goes and gets two or three hundreds in the in the, in the you know, first few championship games he's basically saying he's pushing the test team to be better because he's he's basically saying to Ben Fox I'm coming for your spot and if you know if there's an injury I am the next cab off the rank or if there's a loss of form I am the next cab off the rank or when they go overseas I'm going to be the backup wicketkeeper because at the minute 
I think we're a bit threadbare in that backup wicketkeeper spot. OK, I don't know whether I was being unkind on New Zealand, but this is what uh, their head coach, Gary Stead, said about the future. It's obviously a shifting landscape at the moment with the international game, and, and I think New Zealand are a country that have been challenged a little bit with the likes of Trent and, and Colin de Gronholm and some of the decisions that they've made. So um, I think in the next 12 months, we will continually be challenged with our thinking around that and what that looks like. So I think time... I don't, I don't necessarily have an answer for you right now because I, I'm not sure what that will, will look like in the in the landscape in 12 months' time. Uh, I'm sure we have a number of players that are uh, attractive to, to playing in some of these leagues as well. Um, that says something about their calibre as players and the way I think we play as a team. So there's no doubt that there's a lot of thinking, a lot of talking needs to go through that area. You know, Harmi, I, th- I remember 15 years ago talking about this is a once-off golden generation for New Zealand cricket, but they have been hanging around and continuing to produce very fine cricketers for the next 15 years. So it might be the end of a generation, but you know what? I just think they've found a way, haven't they, to turn modest cricketers into good ones and good ones into excellent ones. Yeah, that's the New Zealand way, though, in in all sports. I mean, you look at the All Blacks and the, the, the work ethic and the ethos of, of that group, the teams that play out of New Zealand are... They're all teams, aren't they? You never feel as though there's a group of individuals coming over representing the black caps. You 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 are playing against that one black cap worn by eleven people, and it's the same black cap that means you know, the spirit and everything about it. But they did look a little bit older. They did look as though they were they were sort of struggling in the field a little bit. And there are one or two coming towards the sort of end of their careers. And the challenge for New Zealand is to replace them because they're, they're going to take some replacing. You know, the likes of Southey, Bolt, Williamson eventually. They've not just been around for a long time. They've performed for a long time uh, in a New Zealand shirt. And are New Zealand going to be in the same boat as the West Indies? Possibly South Africa when it comes to where their structure of cricket and international cricket is in the next three to five and maybe more years. I'm not so sure. I think there's, I think there's too much... Um, of a team unity in in New Zealand that they will always produce a team what will be um, effective against any opposition and be challenging in in tournaments. And I think that's just the way they are as 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 human beings and and, and a nation. So I don't think it'll go down. Even though the model of New Zealand cricket is we let our players to let we allow our players to play financially around the world. I still think they'll produce enough cricketers to come back and play for New Zealand and play at a good level. I agree. Um, now, listen, I was talking about Billings swimming upstream. Um, one man who is uh, very, very much swimming downstream is Will Smead. He signed a white ball only contract at Somerset. And so he's effectively retired from first class cricket, having never played it. Uh, am I? Is it just my age or do, do, is that quite sad? No, it's each their own, to be honest. I think I think if you had asked me three years ago, I would have said, bah, that's sad, really is. But I think the game's changed. I think the game, the world's evolving in such a way, at a fast pace, then I'm not, we're not sure where red ball cricket, white ball cricket's going to stand in, in, in that time. And if Will Smith feels as though his life is a, is a white ball specialist, gun for hire, round the world, then good luck to the lad. I, I looked at, he, the hundred he got at at Edge, I think it was at Edge Baston last year. He got in the in the hundred, and I'm going. This boy can play. This boy's got talent. And why is he not playing the longer format of the game? 
It might be a simple question. You might just not want to. You might not be interested. He's in 21 it. years old. I know, I know. And it, I'm not going to say that's sad because it, it, you know, we're all old enough and ugly enough to make decisions and we live and die by the decisions we make. God, I've made many of absolute chockers. But they were my decisions and I own them. Will's doing the same and... If he wants to go and play at a 21-year-old and just be a gun for hire, no problem. Go and do it. His cards are on the table. You know, and we're talking about business cards for Sam Curran, you know if you're going to sign Will Smead, the business card will say, white ball player only. That's fine. For me, that's fine. It wouldn't have been a few years ago, but I've uh, I've mellowed a little bit from an old footy <laughs> into somebody that thinks, if you don't want to play red ball cricket, well, then don't play. Do you know what I'd rather have, Manners? I'd rather have him in this camp like this I know exactly where his you know, allegiance lies the ones I have trouble with is the ones that sort of hedge their bets in both and basically don't play red ball cricket as well as they should do because they're not interested in it but they don't want to retire from it or they don't want to pack in from it and they're half in half out for me that's that's no good to anybody because the team suffers as well so he's, he's decision to play white ball cricket good for him off you go and we'll see if anything changes between the ages of 21 and 25. Three other bits of news very quickly. Glenn Maxwell is going to be out for at least three months after breaking his leg at a friend's 50th birthday party. It was a throwback to children's games. They were playing bite the apple out the bowl of water and um, a three-legged race in which he and a friend tripped and he broke his leg. David Warner says that he's only got um, uh, a year left of test cricket. He's talking about retiring after the Ashes. And the 2027 Cricket World Cup will be in South Africa and Zimbabwe, both of whom will automatically qualify, which will be a relief to both of them. Yeah, Warner. Wow, I bet Stuart Broad's over the moon. He's going to play for one more year. Um, he's had a fine career. And if he goes on for one more year and comes back for the Ashes, he's got unfinished business in England, hasn't he, after the last time. So it wouldn't surprise me because he's a champion. He will come and have a, a good summer and... I'm pleased. I'm pleased the the World Cup's going from it's going from fourteen team, from ten teams to fourteen teams because I think we've seen with the emerging nations and the amount of close games we've had this year at, uh, in Australia that I think we we owe it to to keep trying to evolve cricket in such a pace in such a way that the emerging nations come with us as opposed to be isolated. Right, you're listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport Two with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former number one bowler in the world, Steve Harmison. Right now, time to hear from West Indian legend Sir Kirtley Ambrose. He was at the World Travel Market at the Excel Centre in London, representing the Antigua Tourism Authority. I caught up with him a little earlier this week and began by discussing the post-pandemic recovery of the Antigua Tourism Board. So, Kirtley Ambrose, thank you very much indeed for your time. Um, so you're at the World Travel Market at the XL in London this week. Can you just tell us a bit about what you're doing there? Yes, um, thanks for having me. Thank you very much. My, my main reason for here, for being here, is, um, you know, as a former international cricketer, the government of Antigua and Barbuda figured that, you know, being here could help promote Antigua and Barbuda in a positive way, especially here in England. And um, whatever I can do to promote our Twin Island states, so that's the main reason why I'm here. So, can you just give our listeners an idea of of what it's been like? I guess the the tourism industry in the Caribbean over the last couple of years. Well, you know, the last couple of years, you know, we took a hit just like everyone else because of the COVID pandemic. But as we speak, we are under rebound. Our tourism sector is doing well again. 
because we do rely heavily on tourism. So at the moment, we are doing well. And uh, I think that up to this point, we have done much better than we did in the last few months. So it's really on the right track, and we are quite happy with where we are. Are you downplaying how difficult it's been? Um, I mean, I guess people have had to resort to to making a living in other ways. I mean, I, I think the island depends on 90% or more on its tourism. But um, ha- have people in the in the um, country been resourceful and managed to find other ways to, to make a living, put bread on the table? Well, as Antiguans and Barbudans, we are very resilient. You know, we are accustomed to adversities, namely hurricanes for many years, and we've always bounced back well. Um, the good thing about us in Antigua and Barbuda is that during the pandemic, the government found a way to keep everyone working. No one was sent home. So at least, even though it was a tough time, we were still working. So we were still able to maintain our families, pay our bills. And that one of the greatest things that I, I thought the government did to, 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 keep, to keep us working. So in that aspect, you know, we came out of it quite well. It must be disappointing uh, not to see England tour the West Indies for a test series in the latest round of future tours programmes. I guess that's a huge disappointment. It is a disappointment because England has always been a great series in the Caribbean. Many spectators, as a matter of fact, there's always more England spectators than West Indians when England toured the Caribbean. <laughs> you know, so yes, we rely heavily on that as well. And it's a big disappointment that nothing will happen for, for, for quite a while. But life goes on. You know, we have, we, there's nothing we can do about it. So we'll be okay. Um, well, there's a lot to look forward to. Um, there isn't an England Test Series, but West Indies co-hosting T20 World Cup in less than two years' time. And England are, of course, coming over for, for eight white ball matches in December 23. Yes, um, it's, it's going to be huge. You know, having that T20 World Cup in the Caribbean, as well as some games in, in, in the US. So we're looking forward to that. And we all know how exciting T20 is and everyone loves it. But um, England has always been a, a good series. And whether it's white ball cricket or red ball cricket, we always look forward to having England. So we're looking forward to that and hope that the tourism sector can benefit as well as the, 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 the West Indies, cricket West Indies. So, Curtly, I'm afraid I have to ask you about the West Indies and the, 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 the current T20 World Cup and not making it into the main section, the main draw. You would have been not as disappointed as anyone else, but more disappointed, I'm sure. Extremely. Because when you look at the group that the West Indies team were in, and no disrespect to the other teams, Scotland, Ireland and Zimbabwe, I, like many others, figured West Indies would have made it to the next round. That didn't happen. And as disappointed as I am, and many other West Indians, the West Indies team didn't play well. And if I can be frank, if you don't play well, you're not going to win many games. And that's exactly why we didn't make it to the next round. We played some very poor cricket and we, were, we weren't deserving of going on because we didn't play well enough. It doesn't seem to be for a lack of talent. Um, and I mean, I wonder whether it was the age-old problem of, of cricketers from different countries coming together in the Caribbean. And, uh, but then they had a wonderful coach in Phil Simmons, so I just can't seem to put my finger on why it went wrong. Yes, it's still a bit of a mystery 
for many of us because, as you quite rightly mentioned, the talent is there. There's no question about that. But for some reason, I watched a couple of the games and the team just didn't seem that closely knitted. It seemed very fragmented. I didn't see the passion. I didn't see the pride. Something was missing. What it was, I'm not sure. And it shows in the results. Hence, we didn't make it to the T20 World Cup. Okay, what about the longer format? How do you see the the two test matches against Australia going a little bit later on this year? It's not going to be easy. Australia are a good team. They're not the easiest team to beat in Australia. And um, I believe that if the guys are confident and positive enough and take the attack to the Australians, I believe we can spring a few surprises. Obviously, it's not going to be easy. I'm a realist. But I believe that we can do well as long as we believe that we can do it and we want it bad enough. So it's going to be interesting. You're doing a brilliant job as an ambassador, Sir Kirtley. What about as a coach? There was speculation a couple of years ago about you um, coaching coaching England or, or being a, a part of the coaching um, setup. Are you interested in, in coaching at a, a national level, being part of the Caribbean coaching experience? I mean, you've, you've been involved with the Jamaica Talwas in their CPL. Yeah, well, I believe that I know a thing or two about cricket, <laughs> you know. So, yes, I've always said that at, at the end of my career, I want to give back to cricket. Obviously, West Indies cricket, but cricket in general, because I get a sense of satisfaction helping cricketers, whether it's from the Caribbean or other parts of the world. And I'm not looking for any praise or glory. It just satisfied myself giving back. Because I've learned quite a bit over the years about some knowledge and giving back to me is a great satisfaction. So whether it's Cricket West Indies or any other nation, if they feel it, see it fit, you know, or if they need my services, I'm more than happy to do so because I do enjoy it. Just a couple more, if I can, Sir Kirtley. Um, I mentioned Phil Simmons. Um, he seemed utterly bereft of uh, compensation. I mean, he he just couldn't understand or explain what had gone wrong. He's a, he's a terrific coach. I mean, if he couldn't do it, I guess that must be slightly daunting for anybody else to take the job on. I mean, I, I know Phil. I know Phil very well. We've played together for the West Indies. You know, when I was a part of the West Indies senior team as a bowling coach, he was there as well. So we know each other very well. And I know he's hurting, right? Um, as a coach, you want results. And it can be frustrating sometimes when a team isn't performing. So I know it's very hard on Phil. I mean, he's, he's, he's called it a day, you know, but how much can a man take, really, when things aren't going away for a number of years and you keep going at the guys and nothing's happening? It can only take so much. And I just believe that Phil figured maybe they need a change, maybe try someone else, so he just step aside. But I know he must be hurting badly. And finally, is there still the passion for the game in, in the Caribbean or do more people need to be attracted to cricket? No, there's still a huge amount of passion. The thing is, when the West Indies team were the best in the world, everyone wants to play cricket. Now, the last few years, we haven't been doing so well. So sometimes it's a bit of a turn-off, even for the spectators, because I have to say, as Caribbean people, they, they, they were spoiled because we dominated cricket for so many years that it's a hard pill to swallow not dominating. So it's a bit of a turn-off. But for me personally, if we start to win some more games, win some series, the interest will, will come back. 
and we'll see more supporters. But we just need to start to win some more games and we will see some interest again. And I hope that you get the message across about what a stunning part of the world Antigua and Barbuda is. And I hope that thousands of people book air tickets so currently and come well, and visit course, you there. Of course, Antigua Barbuda, if you want to get away from work on a vacation, I want to find a place to just unwind, have some fun, <laughs> have a laid back sort of lifestyle. Antigua Barbuda is a place to be. And of course, I'll be there. So I'm not I'm no longer that mean cricketer that you're accustomed to. As you can see, I'm smiling these days and I'm a lot more friendly now. <laughs> and you look amazing in a suit and tie as well. Oh, looks... thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Sir Curtin. Thank you very My much. Pleasure. Thank you for having thank me. You. Take care. That was West Indian legend Sir Curtly Ambrose speaking to me at the World Travel Market on behalf of the Antigua Tourism Authority. Uh, just very quickly, Harmi. I never thought that I would see the great man mellow to quite the extent that he has. <laughs> yeah, he has, and he. Uh, I had the great pleasure, and I mean great pleasure, of commentating with him for Talksport Two and for the TV for the England series um, in January and March. Um, what a man! Scary when you played against him. I didn't play against him, but he looked scary to, uh, off TV and stuff like that. And anybody that did play against him, that I've had a conversation with, what he was frighteningly good as a cricketer but as a man he's just a really really gentle soft spoken top man um, always singing he was watching he was always watching you know his, his iPad watching how guitars were being played and obviously alongside me was the great Mark Butcher and Kirkley and Esther Kirkley and, and Butch were you know reminiscing with stories of past encounters on the field um with a little bit of a little bit of tinkering with guitars off the field two um, you know two great men and Curtly Ambrose you know what a what a player but what a man he certainly he certainly is uh, you've been listening to the Cricket Collective here on Talksport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free Talksport app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back at uh, roughly the same time next week to look back at the ODI series between England and Australia. But for now, this has been another edition of the Cricket Collective on Talksport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.